All right, so this morning we are continuing in our summer series for the book of Proverbs, as Alan mentioned. We are wrapping up chapter one of the book of Proverbs today. So if you have your Bible handy, uh, and if you are able, wherever you're at, if you could stand for the reading of God's word, and we'll read that. Proverbs 1, starting in verse 20. Proverbs 1, starting in verse 20. The word of God reads, Wisdom Christ aloud in the street. In the markets she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing, and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you, because I have called and you refuse to listen. I have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way, and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure, and will be at ease without dread of disaster. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your words of wisdom the book of Proverbs, Lord. As we learn about the personification of wisdom coming to life and speaking to us directly, we know that it is your word that is speaking, Lord. May you give us conviction. May your Holy Spirit teach us. And may we do this for your glory and for the edification of our souls, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so last week I preached on the previous passage here, which was an outcry. It was a desperate pleading of a loving father to a son to listen to instruction, to warning him about the coming temptations, the coming invitations of those that seek to entice him into evil. He's saying, be careful, be warned. Now we turn to an invitation by wisdom. Wisdom is becoming personified in the form that is often referred to as Lady Wisdom. The word for wisdom in Hebrew is in the feminine, so the personification of Lady Wisdom. Now just to recap, as we go through Proverbs, let us remind ourselves what Proverbs is. A proverb is known as a short saying of wisdom. In this case, primarily from Solomon, who was the wisest person in the Old Testament. And wisdom is much more than what we mean by knowledge. Rather, the word for 
Wisdom is that which calls for the practical life skills that we need in order to live life according to what God has designed. In order for us to obey, to be instructed, to put into practice what we learn from God's word. That's wisdom as biblically understood. Now, we need to remind ourselves also that the wisdom literature, it's different than the literature from, say, the prophets or the law or the epistles of the New Testament or even the gospels, right? So while we can gain much insight and wisdom of how to put into practice what we learn and knowing of the consequences of not following wisdom, Let's be careful to not start looking into getting ideas about creating doctrine out of Proverbs or getting caught in the idea that if the proverb says it, it's a promise for my life, right? We can fall in that trap. So we must understand what the text says and the intent of Proverbs in it, that is wisdom literature, okay? So the title of this message is Wisdom is Calling. Pretty self-explanatory and straightforward. It's an invite from Lady Wisdom to listen. And in this theme, we see that Lady Wisdom has a set of four poems, so to speak. The first one we have just read today. There's three more of these types of poems from Lady Wisdom and we can find those in chapters 3, chapter 8, and chapter 9. And then starting in chapter 10, that's when the book of Proverbs really digs in into very short snippets of wisdom that are very rich and are applicable in our everyday lives, right? Before we get there, we see these four poems of Lady Wisdom. And basically, wisdom is saying, come, learn from me. It is God's creative method to enter into the minds and hearts of his people and to make us understand that we live in the moral universe. That means there is evil, there is good, there are right decisions, there are wrong decisions. And therefore, let us not look to Proverbs, especially the poem of wisdom here, as invitation only to listen to advice. No, it goes way beyond that. Rather, it's a way of God Almighty himself inviting us ultimately to his knowledge so that we can apply what we learn from his word okay it's not just good advice it's god's very own invitation for us to become wise the key here this morning then will be in this invitation from wisdom to listen because else there will be consequences sooner or later if we don't heed wisdom if we don't straighten our paths and follow in the ways of God, sooner or later there will be consequences. So with that, let us look here at the first couple of verses. This is where wisdom cries out. And if we ignore it, even if we don't want nothing to do, do with it, wisdom is still there crying out, calling us out. So the verse, uh, verse 20 and 21 says, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. So what this is telling us is that in the midst of everything that exists around us, all the noise, 
all the people, all the opinions, all the podcasts, all the news, all the articles. In the midst of that, if we are careful to listen, wisdom is also calling to us. Right? Last week we discussed how we are bombarded in our minds and our hearts to turn our attention to all kinds of various things and causes. Well, wisdom is too calling for our, for our attention so that we may listen wherever the noise may be, public discourse, or wherever people are gathered for interactions, or wherever method we are receiving input. Lady Wisdom is also present if we listen. So the question here then becomes, do we have an ear to hear? Remember in Matthew 11 and Mark 4, when Jesus says, let him who has an ear to hear listen to the words that are being spoken. Meaning, pay special attention to what is going on. There's a, a phrase used in survival tactics or in combat operations, in military operations, or even combating um, situations where there's terrorism being planned. It's called situational awareness. Situational awareness. Very important phrase. Which in simple terms means being aware of your surroundings, knowing what that means, and having an idea of how it will play out if what you think it means happens. Situational awareness. I know what's going on. I know what that means, and I know what could happen. Similarly, we are asked by wisdom in our life, do we have spiritual situational awareness? Why? Because although physical danger can be more apparent, the one that is ultimately more dangerous is spiritual situational awareness because we run into the danger of becoming deceived and eternally damned if we are not careful and if we are deceived spiritually. So spiritual situational awareness is a must to know where am I, what am I doing, what am I being influenced by, what am I valuing most, what is the meaning of what I'm doing, and when I do those things, what's going to happen, right? This is a way of applying spiritual situational awareness. Galatians 6.12 reminds us, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So if we are aware of physical danger, if I'm with my family and I know that there's danger, whether from someone or something, an event that is going on, I'm going to be careful to protect my family. How much more to be aware of spiritual danger wherever we could run the danger of being deceived because we wrestle not against the physical but against the spiritual. And that's where wisdom cries out and says, hey, among all the noise you're hearing, I'm speaking also. Are you listening? So we ask that question to ourselves today. When wisdom cries out, are we listening? By God's grace, may He grant us an ear to hear what wisdom is saying. So then, the passage here goes into a series of declarations by Lady Wisdom, in which wisdom asks 
wisdom offers, wisdom reminds, and wisdom warns. That's verses 22 to 32. So let's take a look at each of those. First, in verse 22, is the question wisdom asks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? The words of wisdom asking and saying an immediate rebuke. There's no sugarcoating. There's no warming you up to it. It just calls out. How long? How long is this going to go on? And it's asking, how long are you going to love your scoffing and your foolish ignorance? The terms used here are very interesting. Simple ones. In the text, it means someone who is inexperienced, someone who is naive, someone who lacks common sense. A simple one. And not only are they naive and foolish, but they love being that way. It says that they actually love and find enjoyable and agreeable the things and the ways in which they think and do. And then it says that they scoff in their delight. The meaning of that is, in the text, to find a high degree of pleasure in mocking. Okay. What comes to mind when we think about finding delight in scoffing? That's somebody that not only doesn't care, in this case about spirituality, about wisdom, but they actually mock, right? Everything's a joke. Everything is at the expense of mocking somebody who is trying to be diligent. Somebody who is trying to listen to wisdom. Or somebody that perhaps may be considering what wisdom has to say. They come and scoff and then turn them into scoffers as well. And then it says that those, those people hate knowledge, right? Like who, who will hate knowledge? It's, it seems that... It's very, it would be foolish, which it says is foolish, but who would hate knowledge? Unfortunately, it says that such people have an avoidance and an apathy towards knowledge. And they don't want any discernment and understanding, right? Proverbs says that the fool hates knowledge. He has no interest. So the application for us then is, how long will someone in this state of mind and heart and soul keep being that way. How long? Now, if we're honest, if we could relate like I can, I can remain in my foolishness as long as possible. As long as the consequence is not that big, I'm going to stay right there. I'm going to keep making foolish choices. So how long can somebody remain in this foolishness? And this is why many times God uses trials and tribulations and storms in our lives in order to turn us back to Him. And it's actually going to speak about that here in the next few verses. Because if we are in disobedience, if we are in rebellion, knowingly so, not even in ignorance, knowingly so, and we're really not experiencing any consequences, typically we will remain there. It's not until God lovingly disciplines us that we start thinking, well, maybe I should change, right? And that's why we would rather want God's kindness, like Romans says, to turn us into repentance. But many times, it's more the rebuke, the punishment, the consequence of our wickedness that takes us to a low, and then we turn to God, right? So, 
Now comes the offer of wisdom. Verse 23 says, If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. If, right, there's a condition. If you turn at my reproof. The phrase here, if you turn, it means to return, to turn back. To abandon the direction you're going and turn back towards what is good. What does that remind us of? The New Testament, the word metanoia, repent, a change of mind and heart. In your very control center of your soul, where you repent, you turn. That's the same idea here. To turn. If you turn at the reproof, then the spirit of wisdom will come. And what is a, a reproof? A reproof is a reprimand. It's calling somebody out when they are wrong. That's a reproof. Scripture tells us that Scripture does that very thing. It reproves us, calling somebody out. Another translation says, if you had repented at my rebuke, right? So the word there again, repent, turning. So how are we rebuked? How are we reproved? The answer, we are rebuked and reproved by God's word. And if we are wise... We should take rebuke. We should take instruction. We should take correction. Because that's a sign of somebody who wants to gain wisdom. Rather than wanting to stay in our pride, in our wrongdoing, in our sin. Reproof. So it says, if anyone turns to that reproof, then the spirit of wisdom will come so that we may understand and spiritual situational awareness will be granted. I understand my situation. I know what I should do. If I don't, that's what's going to happen. Right? That type of insight is granted to us when we are open to reproof and instruction. And this can only happen if and when we accept that we need reproof, that we are wrong, that we need correction. That only happens when we accept our wrong rather than, oh, but if you only knew what they did or what the other people are doing, or I'm not as bad as so-and-so, right? That means that we are closing ourselves off to the call of wisdom. So then the next few verses, that's when wisdom now reminds. It pulls the record. Let's take a look at what you did last time I called you. What did you do? Verses 24 and 26 says, Because I have called, and you refuse to listen. Have stretched out my hand, and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel, and would have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. So it seems here that wisdom is bringing up, bringing up the record, reminding us, that if we are honest, we have already refused to listen numerous times. We've already guilty of this. Can any of us think to a time where we're at a proverbial fork in the road of a crucial decision or perhaps of a conflict that we find ourselves in? And I could probably say I was there this week. Where I find myself in that proverbial fork in the road and I say, do I show grace or 
or do I attack? Or do I put myself in this tempting situation or do I flee? And yet, knowingly, I put myself in that position and I fall in my own trap. I did not listen to wisdom. And Lady Wisdom is saying, once you have carried out your sinful desires, calamity and terror will strike. It's not a matter of, of if, it's a matter of when. And the language here indicates there will be loss, sadness, and dread. Just as the, the rebellious scoffer, just as we refuse to listen to wisdom, now the tables are exactly turned. And it seems almost as the poetic language here is, Wisdom is looking and saying, I told you so. Didn't I tell you? Right? And then wisdom declares, after pulling the record, now declares the consequence of being ignored. Verses 27 and 28 says, When terror strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then... They will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. So the consequences of rebellion, consequence of refusing instruction, terror, storm, calamity, distress, anguish, all these will fall upon us. Just a matter of time. And yet God, because he's rich in his mercy, he's longing for us to repent, wanting for us to listen to those warning signs all along the path of our disobedience. But because we are rebellious, many times we do not listen until we get a really good spank, right? And then also we're waking up. But there is such, such a thing as being too late to listen to wisdom. How many times have we not thought, I wish I could go back to the time of when I made the choice. Perhaps of going back to not disobeying my parents, their advice, or listening to the warn signals. Maybe I shouldn't say what I said when I was angry. I should have kept quiet. And at those times, once the damage is done of our immediate sin, wisdom says, you've done it. I, I can't answer. You already did it. It's too late. Wishing we could go back. I remember clearly here as I was preparing a vivid example of not heeding my parents' advice. I remember when I first started driving, we had a pretty old car, but I had not yet gotten my license. I had a permit, but I didn't have my license. And I had an invite from my friends to go hang out with them. We had just moved back to LA and they lived in Moreno Valley, my friends did. So that's a long drive. And I convinced my parents to please let me go. And because my parents loved me, they trusted me and they let me go. As I got on that road, it started raining, pouring rain. It was getting dark, it was pretty late. And thankfully I made it there. But on the way back, I got stopped by the cops and they towed the car away. So then I had to call my dad, like 2 in the morning, let him know 
should have listened to you. I mean, in work, really low income, right? It's the only car we have. This just brings tremendous consequences. Now, getting the car back, that requires money, etc., etc., right? Wishing I could go back to when my dad said, Son, I don't think it's a good idea for you to go. And me being stubborn, not submitting to authority, carrying out what I wanted to do. Right? I know better, it's my dad now. Wishing I could go back. And there, as my car is being towed away, and I'm getting ready to go to a payphone and call my dad, wisdom is saying, you dummy, I told you. I'm not a victim. I walked into that situation, right? The consequence of ignoring wisdom. Now, wisdom declares the reasons why we ignore wisdom. The reasons why I'm ignored, says wisdom. What is it? Verses 29 to 32. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. So why? Why do people, why do we at times... Some of us, most of the time, choose to ignore knowledge. It says, because we hate it. We hate knowledge. And that's because we do not like being corrected. We like having our way. We are proud, bitter, and we're rather burning our pride and our lusts than have an attitude of humble correction. That's what we need to understand repentance. We need to understand that we need repentance because we are not all there and we need knowledge. And when wisdom is ignored, it says also there that it's because there's no fear of the Lord. There's a lack of reverence towards God and His Word, His instruction. We are not giving God the correct place in our lives. It's basically what we ignore wisdom. We have exchanged the fear of God for the fear of man, for the uplifting of our pride. We have put something or someone else in God's place. We fear something else rather than God. And therefore, this rebellion ends up in, what does it say? Eating the fruit of their own way, having the fill of their own devices. Basically, the Bible says, we reap what we sow in our disobedience. Refusing instruction, reproof, complacency of fools, that brings destruction. Disobedience, make no mistake, disobedience ends in destruction. Much of this starts in the rejection of authority. Rejection of authority. If somebody instructs us, who are you to tell me? What do you know? And ultimately, rejection of authority does not only start in the home, but ultimately it ends with the rejection of God's, of God's authority. If I reject the authority of my home, if I reject the authority of my brother and sister that are correcting me, if I reject the authority of the law, 
ultimately I'm rejecting the authority of God rejection of authority because I love other things rather than God I don't have the fear of God lastly here there's the promise of wisdom the promise to those who listen it says verse 33 but whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster whoever listens this language implies not only listening to understand but responding with a corresponding attitude and action again the theme of don't be only hearers of the word but be doers of the word the language here is very clear Someone who listens means that, oh, I got it, okay. Book of James says, if we look at ourselves in the mirror, no one needs to be done, but we never do it. That's foolishness, right? We need to act. So someone who responds according to the instruction. It says that those will have security, peace of mind, no dread of disaster coming your way. So the key here is, inevitably, this passage is referring to instances where in our life we are not the victims of circumstance but rather these are scenarios in word in which we willfully walk into those wrong and unwise choices right because it could be another case if we are suffering or being exposed to danger or to mistreatment because somebody has wronged us this is not what this passage is about this passage is talking about when you have the decision to make, when you are faced with that fork in the road of where to go, you choose wrongly, willfully. That's what it's talking about. And the promise here then is that if we listen to wisdom, if we submit to wisdom, we're not going to fear consequences of a bad action because we would have taken the correct action right so then what have we gained from today's reading we have seen first of all that wisdom is not out of the reach of anyone it says that wisdom is crying out it's everywhere many times where we want to follow our sinful hearts we think oh that's just a coincidence and God is saying, no, that's wisdom speaking to you. Repent. Turn. Turn on that reproof. Wisdom is not out of the reach of anyone. And ultimately, the message of the cross, what does the Bible say? The message of the cross is foolishness to the world. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. And therefore, we must come to God for wisdom with an attitude of humility, of submission, of I need help. I don't have it all together. I need to turn to you. In that way, wisdom is not out of our reach. Wisdom is within reach very much. And then what else we see here is that rejecting, rejecting wisdom has consequences. God will not be mocked. There will be a time 
when reckoning of our, of our foolish choices will come. This could be as easy as thinking to ourselves, what have we done with the time that we spent at home during this lockdown or quarantine time? Did I invest that time wisely? What did I do with that 24-hour check of time that was given to me daily? What did I do? And if we didn't do something of investment towards our family, towards our spiritual lives, then we, we wasted that time. We surely wasted that time. And unfortunately, there's consequences to that that perhaps we might feel now, but later we wish we could go back and have that time back to better invest. And then a couple more things we learned here. One of them is that we reject wisdom because we hate it. We have exchanged the love of knowledge and wisdom for something else. And this leads to ask the question, why won't we go to Jesus? Either in repentance as believers in our sanctification, or as non-Christians that we should turn to Jesus. Why don't we go to him? John 3 has the answer, right? It's throughout scripture if we look carefully, but John 3 tells us that after John 3.16, God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And then the following verses, typically we stop there, but there, I always go back to those. It says, because God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through Him the world may be saved. And then it talks about that light has come into the world, right? And there's a judgment. It talks about a judgment. Light has come into the world, but the world has rejected the light. And then it gives the reason. Why? Why will we go to Jesus? I'll quote it to you here. John 3, 19 and 20. It says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. There it is. Why don't we go to Jesus? Why don't we turn to repentance? Because I love my sin. Leave me alone. I want to do what I want to do. Just like Proverbs talks about the hatred of knowledge, the hatred of wisdom. We hate the light. Unless God intervenes, we will not go. I love my sin. If I turn to God, if I repent, if I humble myself, my wickedness is going to be exposed. I don't want that. And yet, that is the only way in which we could be renewed, in which we could be forgiven, in which we could be restored. And at the same time, we find out that I'm not too different than my brother and sister next to me. <laughs> They're going through the same thing, right? Let us beware. Let us turn to Jesus. Let us turn to wisdom in following God's word. And let's hate the darkness. Let's hate what God hates. And then lastly, how does wisdom come? Wisdom is something that is granted to us by God. It's not something that we can gain and get a hold of in our own 
human fleshly pursuits. That's impossible. Now, grant you, there might be people who are not Christians, and they are very wise in the way they live their life and their choices, in the way they think things through. Yes. And I tell you that that's even in that person's life, that wisdom, it's God's gift to them in what we call common grace. That gift of wisdom to that person, even though they don't know God, God has granted them that wisdom because of His goodness, because of His grace and mercy, common grace. So wisdom is granted to us by God, but the ultimate purpose of that wisdom is to know Christ. To know Christ. That's the ultimate purpose in acquiring knowledge and wisdom. And for this, unlike the consequences of our sin that we now have to deal with and mend and repair, wisdom was saying, I told you so, it's too late. You already suffered consequences. Unlike that, if you are still breathing today, it is not too late to turn to God, to listen to that wisdom, to repent. Whether it is in our sanctification as believers or as non-Christians looking for peace, looking for forgiveness, looking for eternal life. It is not too late to turn to God so that He may grant us that wisdom, grant us that repentance, as Philippians 1.29 says. So we may ask, well, then, what can I do? Yes, I recognize I need wisdom. I need wisdom that will lead me to Christ. What can I do? Well, the book of James says what? If anyone lacks wisdom, what? Just stay there, doing what you're doing? No, he says ask. Ask. And it will be granted. Right? And we know that when God is asked according to His, to God's will, He wants us to be wise. He'll give to us beyond measure than what we ask. Right? God will grant the wisdom if we ask, if we submit, if we humble ourselves to Him for this wisdom. And some of us, some of you may be thinking, ah, but you know what, it's really too late. Like, I'm, I'm a lost cause. If that were the case, my brothers and sisters, I would not be here today. I would not be here. That's one of the biggest lies from the pit of hell. It's too late. Can't do it. There's no, no hope for you. Wrong. If you are still breathing today, it is not too late to turn to God. And we know that because when we turn to God, it is because He is drawing us to Him. What does the scripture say? Matthew 11, 2. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is an invitation from Jesus to go to Him. And elsewhere, Jesus says in John 6, that all that the fathers give to Him, they will come. And whoever comes to Him, He will turn away no one. The invitation from Jesus. If you're tired, if you think there's no hope, if you're carrying that heavy load, it says, come to Me. And when we do come to Him, it's only because He has granted us the grace to go to Him. And as we go to Him, He says, I will not turn you away. I will take you in. I will carry your load. I will give you that wisdom. 
So let us be reminded today that there is a great consolation. There's a great hope for us that even in the midst of all the noise going on, even if all the midst of our bad choices, even suffering the consequences of our sin, it is not too late. Sure, we have to deal with what's happened. We have to deal with our wrong choices. But it is not too late. And in that we rejoice. Because Christ is telling us, come, come to me. And I will not turn you away. How great is that? How awesome is that? Can we praise God for that this morning? May we be reminded to go to Jesus for wisdom that leads unto eternal life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your wisdom and your word. Thank you so much for your calling. You call us through wisdom. You call us through your Son. You convict us through your Holy Spirit. I ask and I pray, Lord, that you would be exalted, that you would be glorified, that you would be known to us, and that we would be known to you, Lord. May you grant us wisdom, Lord. May you grant us, as the passage says here, the ability to listen, which implies an action to be done according to the instruction. Thank you, Lord, because you are faithful. Be with us, change us, renew us as we go on from here. We ask this in Jesus' name.